Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody? Good, good, good. It's so good to be here with you. This is our last worship service together of this year, and so I'm glad that you have chosen to come and worship with us this morning. I'm glad you're here. This is actually a, a day of first uh, in a lot of regards because this is the first time we've kind of done the breakfast meal in between the services. I liked it. Did you guys like it? All right, some of you did, some of you like, we had a breakfast thing in between services, what? Uh, yeah, it was great, and then also this is the first time in a long time that we have actually gone back to two services on uh, Fifth Sunday, and I, I'm glad we've done that as well. Uh, always enjoy family Sundays, always enjoy having our kids in here, uh, so we're looking forward to, to that. And so I'm going to go ahead and read uh, a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Luke. It's going to be on the screen for you. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. It's Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14 and, and following. And I'll, I'll read this, and then we'll talk a little bit. 22, Luke 22, verse 14, it says this, And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the disciples with him. And he said to them, so you have Jesus reclining at the table, and you have Jesus' 12 disciples reclining around the table with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. In my blood. So a couple of questions. Uh, well, actually, there's one question. Notice that Jesus in the Gospel of Luke uh, said, I earnestly have desired to eat this Passover with you. So kids, if you're in the room today, uh, I want to ask you first, I'll give you the first opportunity to answer this question. Where does Passover, that word, where does that come from and what is the significance of it? Where does the word Passover come from? Where does it originate? Any kids in the room know that know that? Where that comes from? You learned it last month, Lynette said. <clears throat> Shepherd. Oh, I think were you were not expecting me to call on you. <laughs> Are you shocked? Do you know? No? Where, where does Passover come from? I'll, I'll, I'll open it up to any adult children. Any, any adults in here that act like children? Right? Book Exodus, okay. Uh, Absolutely. Can we get more specific? The book of Exodus, what else? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. And so, so here's what Miss Joanne said. Uh, for those of you that have been with us this whole year, you know that we just finished the book of Genesis a couple of months ago. And we walked through that book, and the book ends in chapter 50 with... Uh, the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, 
uh, showing favor towards God's people, the Israelites, because of what Joseph had done. But if you flip over a page into the book of Exodus, you see that the new Pharaoh has come in to power, and he does not look favorably on the Israelites, God's chosen people, because the Israelites have grown, right? They just keep having more and more kids, and they're growing in number, and he's kind of like concerned, like, hey, these people might get too big. So what they do then is they put them in slavery. They make them work really, really hard for themselves. And then uh, Israelites cry out to God, and God hears their cry. And so God raises up a guy named Moses, and he says, you're going to go into Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. How many of you kids know that song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Oh, baby, let my people go, uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all know that song? First service actually sang along with me. Come on. Y'all got y'all to pick up your game, man. All right. We'll, we'll do it real quick if you want to. I'm, I'm game. Y'all want to do it? No, no, no. All right. That's fine. So, so Pharaoh said, uh, Moses says, let my people go. And then in Exodus chapter 12, you have the ten plagues. Anybody know... All ten plagues, you get a bonus. You get, you get an extra cookie back there if you know all, all ten plagues. Anybody know the ten plagues? Locust was one of them. Flies, gnats, frogs. Obviously, we're not going in order here. That's fine. <laughs> what was it? So somebody said darkness. Which, which number was that? Anybody know? Nine, right? So darkness came at number nine. And then 10 was the, the, the death angel was going to come through and the death of the firstborn in Egypt. Um, and so let's, let's look at this real quick uh, because in Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 3, it's going to be on the screen for you as well. This is what God instructs Moses and the Israelites to do. He says, Tell the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house a lamb for a household, and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of a person's, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. So if you have a large family, you take a lamb, you eat that thing together. If you're just by yourself and you kind of join up with some other people and you share the lamb. Does that make sense? That's kind of what he just said there. And then he says, your lamb, verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. Right, so in other words, don't bring me no three-legged lamb, right? Don't bring me a lamb with different colored eyes. Bring me a lamb without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Verse 7, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. So they are to sacrifice the lamb, take the blood from the lamb, and put it over their doorposts, over the door frames of their houses. And in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 12, it says, For I will pass through, this is God speaking, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, right? Darkness was the ninth plague. That was a sign of judgment. God's judgment is coming. It says, I am the Lord. And then verse 13, it says, The blood that you put over the doorposts shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. 
And when I see the blood, when the death angel passes through, he says, see the blood, I will, what does it say there? Pass over. I will pass over. How many of you have seen the, uh, the movie, Prince of Egypt? Um, wasn't that a great movie? That movie kind of shows that scene, how the death angel passes through and passes over. It says, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so let's just review real quick, okay? God instructs Moses and the Israelites that you are to get a lamb without blemish as a sacrifice. You are to sacrifice that lamb and you are to put blood over the doorpost so that when I pass over, I will see that blood. And so Passover then became a celebration that the Israelites, God's people, have done throughout the years to remember not only God's power that he saved them from Egypt, but also his love because God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And so when we come to this passage in Luke and we see that Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you, you see that they are still, they were still celebrating Passover meal there in the New Testament. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but oftentimes uh, people refer to the last week of Jesus' life as what? Holy Week, but, but Passover week, right? Passover week. Uh, and so you see Jesus here um, celebrating this Passover meal with them. Now, I'm going to read a passage from John's gospel that's very important. I want you to hear this, okay? John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and he says this. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus dies at Passover, signifying that he is the Passover lamb. So just like they sacrificed the lamb in Exodus and put the blood over the doorposts and God passed over that door, Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. He is a lamb without blemish, right? He lived a perfect life, right? He was sinless. Therefore, he was able to go to the cross to be our substitute. He died in our place. He, he died uh, the death that we should have died. Right? So think about this. When Jesus was on the cross, what happened the last few hours when he was on the cross? Do you remember? What, what, what fell over the whole land? Darkness. What was the ninth plague? Darkness. Darkness falls over the land when Jesus is on the cross because God's judgment is coming. Who's God's judgment? Who, who was God judging? Was God judging us? He was judging our sin, right? But our sin was on who? Jesus. God took God, Jesus took God's wrath on the cross, his anger, for in our place. So just like the Israelites in, in the book of Exodus could see God's power and love, they see his power through the plagues and the death angel, and they see his love that God would do this for them. At the cross, we see God's power and his love. We see God's wrath, his anger towards sin that was poured out on his son Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. But at the same time, we see his love for us, that Jesus would die in our place as our substitute sacrifice. Now, this is the cool part, right? Uh, just as Israel 
was rescued from slavery, okay, this, this, we are also rescued from sin, right? Our sin, kids, separates us from God. This is why Jesus had to come, right? And in sin, we are a slave to sin, right? And so this is what I mean by that, right? So this, this past week, uh, my wife's grandfather passed away, and so we left the day after Christmas to travel seven hours in a car to Ohio with three kids, nine, six, and three. Yeah, it was what? My wife is, is, is mouthing something. It was, it was, it was, it was glorious. <laughs> I saw the selfishness and self-centeredness and the fighting and the just, you know, I saw sin was, sin, I saw the effects of, of our sin, right? I saw all this around me, right, over this, this, this last few days. Right, I see that, that we, we fall short. We need Jesus. We need his grace. Also, man, I, I talk, there's a, a bunch of teenagers that were here in, in the first service. You know, as you get older, um, it, it's still, you still are still self-centered and selfish. But as a teenager, man, you start to put your identity and your worth and your value and all these other things. Um, and, and, and here's the good news, right? The good news is that, that in Christ... He died for those sins to set us free, right? To free us from that slavery of sin so that we no longer have to be selfish or self-centered, right? We can be giving. We can put others first. But also we can put our identity and our worth and our value in Christ, right? We don't need other things or other people to give us those things. And so that's, that's what Christ has done for us. He has set us free. And so as Jesus is having this, this meal with his disciples... He, he says, I have eagerly desired to have this Passover meal with you. And then he institutes the Lord's Supper. And that's what we do each week here at Church of Christian Church. And what do we say? We say, we do this in remembrance of me. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God that died in our place so that we could be forgiven of our sins and, and, and be rescued. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's what we do each week here. When we take the bread and the juice, we celebrate our freedom, why we've been rescued, and we remember the sacrifice that, that, that Christ made for us. And so what I want to encourage you to do is, as the men prepare to pass out the, the bread and the juice this morning, um, I want to encourage you as families to take this together and pray together as a family um, and instruct your kids, parents, whatever you need to do, but, uh, but pray together and thank God as you remember what he has done for us through this communion. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much uh, for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the perfect Lamb of God who died in our place, who lived the life that we couldn't and died a death that we should have. Father, as, as, as just may, may that sink in, just what that means. Father, may, may that move from our head to our heart. God, may we just be in all of that. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for pursuing us. God, we, we pray that as we come to this time, that we would remember and, 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 and reflect upon that, but also celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I hope you guys had a great week with family. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of tension, but again, just the time off and to, to be together. As we get ready to head into this week, as we're going to celebrate the new year, raise your hand. Who makes New Year's resolutions or a word for the year? Who already has one made for the year? All right, a little bit more than first service. We're getting there. Well, whether resolution or not, the New Year's a great time to take some time to reflect, to slow down, and evaluate where you are. Sometimes we need to refocus or reprioritize on what is important in our lives. I want to share a couple of values with you today that will help us to live beyond our capacity. We've shared these before, they're nothing new, but just wanted to take some time to remind you. Um, we've talked about them in some of our youth parent meetings. We've talked about them um, from infant dedication as well. They originally come from Deuteronomy chapter six, but are also in the book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. And I know it's parenting, but these values do um, apply in so many other ways to all of us and not just to parents. In chapter 6, Moses outlines our responsibility to pass on our faith to our community around us, to our children, to our friends, to our grandkids. Moses is speaking with the Israelites. They're getting ready to enter the promised land, and Moses is getting ready to step down as a leader. And in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, this is what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on as a bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on your frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The first value I want to talk about today is widening the circle. Moses starts out, Hear, O Israel. Not just parents or grandparents. It takes all of us to pass on our faith to the next generation whether it's to our kids or us as an adult. As an adult, are you in a discipleship relationship with someone? Do you spend some time with someone reading, 
praying, encouraging each other, doing life together. We need to be intentional about our relationships. It doesn't have to be fancy or formal. We don't have to be a theologian or have it all together. Just do life together, be in God's scripture, in the truth, and learn and grow together. As parents, it'll come a time where there's something we've told our kids over and over and over again, and then their teacher or a youth group leader or a coach tells them the same thing, and they come home, Mom, you're never going to believe what so-and-so told me. Yeah, I've been telling you that the last couple years. But again, putting people in our kids' lives or in our lives um, to help point them back to Christ, to say the same thing that we are saying. And kids, our students, who are your friends? Are they helping you? Are they good influences on you? Who's in your circle? If they may be encouraging you to go away from God or do bad things, you may need to find some new friends or not hang out with them as much. So widening the circle, putting people in your life to help you get to where you need to be to develop a relationship with Christ. The second one is imagining the end. Focusing your priorities on what matters most. And the next statement in Deuteronomy 6 is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If we don't start with God, we may end up going in the wrong place. It doesn't matter what our kids know if they don't know what matters. If you want your kids and those around you to know God, are you living day to day? Is how you're living day to day going to get you there, get you to the end? I encourage you to stay focused and to remember who God is. Fighting for the heart. In verse 5 of chapter 6, Moses connects the idea of obeying God's commands to the issue of love and takes the concept of loving God to a deeper level. Moses is fighting for those who will follow after him. If you want to pass on a legacy, whether to a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, or a friend, it needs to be the best way to transfer that is relationally. A relationship is more important than rules. There is a difference between fighting with someone and fighting for someone. So make sure that you're fighting for their heart. Next is creating a rhythm. Things that become part of our daily rhythm are the things our family will realize are important. Rhythms silently but significantly communicate value. Think about the rhythms in your home. What do you do most during the day? Is there a lot of screen time? Or is there time where you spend time talking and playing with no video games? Praying together before meals or before you leave for school? Moses offered some examples in chapter 6 of times to get together, of rhythms. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, maybe mealtimes. When you walk by the way, I love talking in the car with my kids, and when you lie down and when you rise. What works best for each family may differ depending on the phase of life you're in. If your kids are away at college, maybe it's FaceTime um, on a certain night of the week. Maybe it's praying before they head off to school together. 
But what is most important is intentionally and consistently creating rhythms to spend time with God in his word and in prayer. And kids, it's okay to remind mom and dad if they forget. I know my son, we are, one of our rhythms is praying before he leaves for school. And frequently he will come pray with me if I'm busy or forget to pray with him. So that's all right, kids. You have permission to get on mom or dad if they forget. Lastly is making it personal, putting ourself first when it comes to personal growth. We skipped a couple words in Moses' speech to the Israelites. In verse 6, Moses shares, These words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. It has to be in us before we pass it along. And like I mentioned earlier, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be perfect and um, know it all, but we just need to make sure we're making our faith and our growth a priority. The more time we spend reflecting, praying, preparing, and even resting, the better fathers, mothers, friends, leaders, and teachers we will be. Making it personal looks different for each of us. But the important thing um, is to do something. And if you don't know where to start, widen your circle. We have an amazing community of people here at Chester Christian Church that would walk alongside you um, to help you grow spiritually. And we even thought it was important enough, we hired a discipleship pastor um, this spring to help as well. So I encourage you this week, um, or over the next week or two, just to take time to step back to see if you need to widen your circle. Imagine the end. Where do you want to be? To fight for the hearts of those around you. Create a rhythm in your home and make it personal. We're going to head into family time from here. We're going to pray for families. Um, so I'll let you guys start. So for 30, 45 seconds, you guys pray for families, those in your family, and then I will close us out in prayer. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. Lord, as parents, we don't always get it right. But Lord, thank you for being right there for us, for loving us through it, for forgiving us, and for showing us grace. Lord, please put people in our students and our kids' lives, put people in our lives that will help challenge us, to help us to grow to know you more. Lord, help us keep our eyes on you to head towards the end. Lord, we want to spend forever with you in heaven. Lord, help us just to step out in faith to be obedient to you in all we do. Give us courage when we need it. Help open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see those around us that need to hear about you, that need to be encouraged that we can love on, that we can share your good news with. Lord, be with us as we head into an, a new year. Lord, help us to reprioritize and to focus where we need to. We cannot live beyond our capacity without you. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, I just want to, uh, to give uh, Lynette and her whole team uh, just mad kudos uh, because I think, and I, I say this not because I am the pastor here, but I, I really believe that we have one of the, uh, the best children and youth programs um, around. Um, I, listen, they, they do an amazing job. She has just uh, the best volunteers um, around, and our kids, our, our young kids, they, they have small groups every single week uh, that, that they're involved with in classes that are pouring into them and, and discipling them, and it's just a cool thing. But one of the, one of the cool things that, that we've done over the last seven or eight years uh, with our teens, our middle school and high school kids, is we decided to, to, to do small groups with them. And, and so we, we have volunteers, man, that have just spent um, all, lots of years with our teenagers, pouring into them and, uh, and discipling them and, and building those relationships, being intentional, as Lynette was sharing. And I just want to, to recognize, man, uh, first service, we had six seniors here. Three of them are on stage back here. Uh, we got Caleb and Philip and Justin back here. So six seniors. Any other? Uh, are you, you're not graduating, right? You're sophomore, junior, junior. Uh, six seniors. Any other seniors that you know of, Lynette? They were all here first service who are still actively involved in the ministry, who are coming and participating in youth group on Sunday nights. And I think that is just phenomenal. And, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's phenomenal. Because years ago, the statistics were that I can't remember what they were. Like 80% of teenagers, like once they hit that sophomore, junior year of high school, they get that driver's license, they get that job, uh, they, they start to disconnect from church and they end up walking away from it by the time they get to college. And we said, hey, man, we want to do better than that. We, 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 we want uh, to, to, for God to move. And so we, that's when we went to small groups. And our adults, man, who lead these small groups, start with these kids at 6th and 7th grade and follow them all the way up through graduation. And I can tell you right now, man, that there are kids who are in college today who are still in touch with their small group leader because of that relationship they built, who are still actively involved in their faith. And that, that, that is, praise God for that. Amen? Come on. And so, man, I, I just think that is remarkable. And uh, I just want to encourage you with that. And then uh, just in light of what Lynette has said uh, with us today, shared with us today, I, I wanted to share this um, as we close out here. I read this, uh, one of the devotionals from version. Uh, a bunch of us did it together here at church, and it was the day, the second to last day, and this is what was written, and this really spoke to me, and just, uh, th this is what she writes, she, she writes that, that Jesus never made a decision the way that we make decisions, right, to take the job that pays more, to do the ministry that's most convenient, eat lunch with a friend who is least taxing, to seize the opportunity that's most comfortable. That, that's kind of the way we make decisions. This is what she's saying. Instead, Jesus keeps asking us, what is the redemptive thing? Man, when I, I read that, I, it just it pierced my heart because I know this is one of the things I've personally been wrestling with over the last several months. Uh, Robin and I have been having conversations about uh, specific things 
and uh, my wife is just absolutely way smarter than me, and she, she's just been saying a lot of these same things, and I just haven't been listening. It's, it's kind of one of those things where I, and then I read it, and I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, but, but, but this really spoke to me, and he says, he says, what is the redemptive thing? What is the thing I've called you to do? And this is what I want to encourage you with and challenge you with. Parents, adults, all of us. Listen, I understand, man. Parenting is exhausting, right? Parenting is exhausting. I mean, you, you, there's times where you just want to be like, just go whatever, whatever, just get out of my sight, right? And there's times, man, but that, that's, that's when we actually need to, what, what's the redemptive thing here, right? There's, there's times that you don't feel like to discipline your kids. There's times where you just, you know, but, but you, that's, that's when we need to step in and, and, and engage, Right? What's the redemptive thing to do here, right? Sometimes we want to just be, be comfortable. Sometimes we want to take the easy way out. And, man, I would just encourage you in, in, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that, that person that annoys you the most, whatever it is, what is the redemptive thing to do, right? What is God calling us to do? It's not easy, right? But he's calling us to do that. He gives us the strength and the grace and the mercy to do it. Amen? Amen. So we're going to close out with one or two songs. One song. And uh, we're going to have a great time closing out here, all right? Thank you guys for being here. We need some help.